Welcome back to the Mountains and the Sea. This is Christy. And this is Josh. And we're so glad that you're back with us today. Today, we're talking about Child of the Sun. The one and only Maite. Yes. Letting it all hang out. It feels like we've been away for a while, even though our listeners wouldn't know. But <laughs> it's been a while since we sat down to record together. It has. Yeah. It's, yeah. We did some hard work getting ahead of schedule. That's right. So that we could go on vacation. Yes. Yes. So this is truly our first album back from our little break for yeah. ourselves. And we're continuing our look at the entire 1994-1995 period of Prince music. Yes. You complained that I dispel the magic by talking about when we record and well, here you are doing it. Well, now dispelled it, I might as well just jump in. That's right. So That's yeah. That's right. I don't know. I feel refreshed and different. This mic seems seems different. It's not different. Uh, no. We've just been away. It, yeah. But now we're back. Yeah. Even though we never left. We're going to talk about this album. It was the only studio album by Prince Love Interest and Spouse. Yes. Maite. Right. Although there were others planned that just never came to fruition. There was Scorpio that was announced and just never Yeah, it was announced in like 1998 and it was going to include a bunch of songs from this album, which I'm like, wait, what? Different recordings or different versions of them. That could have been the case, but I mean... Didn't Prince write enough music that he could give her something fresh? Well, I ask myself that question as I was listening to much of this album, so (laughs) why should album number two be much different? That's fair. (laughs) It was released November 27th of 1995, only in Europe. Yes, and we were talking during the couple weeks leading up to this recording about me trying to remember how and where I got this CD because I've had it since release day. I cannot remember where I got it from. I was a... Maybe not release day, but shortly after. It was, yeah, it was very, very close. I believe I was still in college when uh, this well, came out. Yeah. We, we got it. Yeah, I think it was Somewhere. one of those dates when we went to record stores and yes, ate we cheap. <laughs> right. <laughs> We did everything cheap in uh, late 1995. Except pay for Prince music. That's right. Our our one investment, (laughs) which is still costing us money to this day in one way or another, including this podcast. Yeah. Well, you know. So yeah, Warner Warner Brothers uh, refused to release the album in the U.S., um, which I don't quite understand. But all well, right, it was part of the entire trying to negotiate with Prince on his departure from the label, and they probably had already scheduled Chaos and Disorder to be released. They had just released Come in 1994 and the Gold Experience in 1995, and Prince had been up to his own thing with the NPG Exodus album, which Warner Brothers didn't want to be a part of, and this album by Maite, which they had the same same feelings for. I don't think that's a reflection of the content or quality of the music, but more about um, what they saw as too many releases too close together, which Mm. was the whole point of contention back then. You'd think that maybe he would be more amenable to their requests if they had been a bit more amenable to his... Well, um, I think when you are very wealthy and very proven and you can record your own music, do your own thing, then you're probably not very likely to bend to other people's demands. And he could just release it where he wanted to, and that was good enough. And he figured it would find its way into America, which obviously it did. Because <laughs> because here it is. Here we it have is. it. Yes, from back in the day. Yep. It was originally titled Latino Barbie Doll. Right. And it's thought to have been largely recorded in 1993 or 1994 at Paisley Park. Yes. But most of the songs were 
reworked and polished the summer of 1995, shortly before release. You have done your research. I have. Very good. Uh, Maite did promote this in Europe. Yes. Without the NPG or Prince. Right. It was late 1995 or 1996, and she made appearances on Top of the Pops, MTV Europe, The Box, Viva, and Viva 2, but I cannot find videos of any of those. It has been wiped from the internet. Therefore, did it really happen? I have no idea. (laughs) She mentioned that she was doing these things in an interview. Right. So I believe her. Yes. Because I don't know why she would have reason to lie to the German press. Yes, no reason. No reason. <laughs> you and I have both read, we can touch briefly on Maite's book, yeah. uh, The Most Beautiful. You and I both read it. Yes, um, it's been a while. It's been a year and a half or so since we both read it. Um, obviously, that's her writing about her time meeting Prince, uh, becoming his love interest, his wife, the mother of his child, and unfortunately, the demise of their marriage. I thought of all the books that I have read since Prince's passing. Hers was very genuine, yeah, uh, very well written, very heartfelt. There was a lot of love in that book. There's a lot of pain in that book too, but there was no blame. There was no. It was a very, uh, I don't know. It was a loving tribute to. I thought the so. The man that she was married to, I thought. And, yeah, uh, well, thought and it was, was very nice. much her story mm-hmm. and how she felt about things and things that she wanted to talk about rather than gossipy, salacious stuff. Yeah, she is definitely not a tell-all kind of thing. It's a explain-all, maybe, um, where she opens up the doors a little bit, but she leaves private things private for the most part, which is, right. I thought, a very respectful thing to do. Yeah. And she's been involved with the Prince Estate also, um, having appeared at Paisley Park and on tour with the NPG, which at one point as she wrote in her book, uh, was not a welcome place for her at all. I don't know. It seems like the making of this album to me is maybe kind of her coming out party of acceptance or maybe a little bit of coming of age too, because she was very young. And of course all the musicians in the MPG wondered, why do we need this person around? She's just a love interest of princes. Yeah. Well, they should have known even then a love interest of princes is going to have an album and be around. Yes, that's very true. You know, to see in the booklet for this album, her thanking members of members of the MPG that played or participated on the album. I don't know. It just seemed to me now having read that book and then listening to this album now for many times over the past few weeks, which I had not done in 20 plus years. Yeah. Um, seems again, like a, like a coming out party, like a, uh, album of finally being accepted. And this is, this justifies it all sort of, hmm. even though it precedes a lot of the pain and heartache that would um, almost all the pain and heartache that would come later right. in their life together. Yeah. Agreed. I, I've had uh, several people tell me I should listen to the audiobook. So maybe the next oh, time I revisit sure. it. I because she reads it. reading the book. Yeah, yeah. she reads it. Yeah. So it's very emotional and heartfelt. And, sure. you know, a lot of people look at her life after Prince and the kind of things that she did and engaged in and oh you know how could she do that she was on you know reality television shows and things and uh, sure. like yeah. yeah you know what just she was doing what she needed to do let's uh, well not worry she was about doing 
at her age what Prince was doing at his age too. Aside from <laughs> also true, aside from getting pregnant and having a child. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but she's a, she's adopted a child now. Yeah, um, and she, runs a great nonprofit for animals, dogs and animals. Yeah. Uh, in Las Vegas, and you should look her up on Los Angeles. I'm sorry, what did I say? Las, Las Vegas. Vegas. No. Yeah, Los Angeles. I think she was at an event in Las Vegas, something that I saw. Yeah. Anyway, she's <laughs> Recently, a great. Yes. She's a great follow on Twitter and Facebook, so you can keep up with the um, really great nonprofit work that she's doing now too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Shall we look at the album cover? We can. <laughs> okay, so just... the album cover itself, I'll say, is cool. Yeah, it uh, is. Keeping in mind that this was done. 24 years ago, basically a quarter century ago. And as I think I've said before, during this time period, the mid-90s was not the epitome of awesome graphic design. No, and it was also... Photoshop was pretty new. It wasn't nearly as powerful, man. If you wanted to save changes, incremental changes, you better save new files. And that took a lot of hard drive space. And yeah, I think this is at the very beginning of layers in Photoshop too, yeah. where you could work on different pieces individually. So it was the definitely the dawn of digital design. Right. Yeah. If I could coin a Prince term. So Maite's on the cover. Yeah, looking pretty. S- looking pretty, standing in front of a throne, a chair. So it kind of, she's holding like a crown above her head. Right. She's standing in front of this throne, and it kind of makes her look like she has wings. Yes. So that's kind of cool. She's also kind of standing inside the seat of the throne, it looks like. Yeah, I'm not quite sure if she's really standing in front of that chair or if she was placed in front of that chair afterwards. I mean, what is certain is that the sunflower behind her was placed behind her afterwards, and the sun. And the dangerously close to the sun Earth uh-huh. are behind her as well. Yes. So, yes, obviously but, what we're looking at here is a digital interpretation of Child of the Sun. Yeah. But it's fine. Sure. I like the way her name is stylized. And yes, that looks very hand-done to me. Kind yeah. of frames the picture a yeah, little bit. Yeah, I thought it was cool. On the back of that booklet, we have, I don't know, something red. I don't know what that's a picture of. Oh, I don't know. Like a repeating stone something or other yeah and you know all the thanks to lots of different people which was great and then on the inside of that you roll the whole thing out and what do you have six panels of one two three four five panels uh-huh. of vertically aligned centered type with all the lyrics to the song so good news is the lyrics are in the book yeah the bad news is they're very difficult to read on top of this kind of Egyptian yellow solar stretched digital thing. Yeah. Which in and of itself isn't bad. It's just too dark. In parts it is too dark. Yes. <laughs> we, we told our son that uh, we'd reward him if he could quickly read the lyrics to a particular song. Right. I think it was in your gracious name. Yeah. And he's starts off, he's like, I can do this. <laughs> yes, the world so is mine. So he starts reading, and he's reading, and he's going fast, and then he slows down a little bit when it gets to a dark spot, and then he gets to a darker spot, and he's like, fine. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> I mean, the font is fine. Yeah, actually, think- the typeface is uh, the same as what would end up being used throughout Emancipation. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of this album is sort of a prelude to the overall sound that you'll in production style that you would hear on emancipation 
uh, later in 1996. Yeah. And then the back cover of the... Well, if you thought the interior booklet was difficult to read, the back cover is possibly more of a challenge. Yeah. I just wish it had been like a different color type or something. Yeah. They've got the same uh, stylization of her name. Yeah, the which is nice corner, which and is a pretty cool. picture of her, which yes. is nice. And then the middle is just a muddy, hard to read mess. Yeah. It's trying to but, read gold type on a gold and dark gold and black background. It's just hard to make out. They were, they were trying some stuff. They were trying some different things. Now, thankfully yeah. the CD itself, of course, it's, when you bought this album, your CD went into the CD player. <laughs> thus your ability to read the names of the songs were sucked in with it. <laughs> Yeah, because this is the place that's easiest to read the names of the songs, which is the sunflower on the disc, which is actually very nice. I like that quite a lot. Yep, I agree. So parts parts to love, parts to scratch your head and think, how did they finish this and figure out that anyone would be able to make this out? Or maybe the challenge of reading it was part of the thing. It was supposed to be a little mysterious. I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, obviously, they made some choices. The art direction was done by Steve Park, Michael Van Huffel, and Mark R. Johnson. Yep. I'm not going to fault really any of them for this because it was kind of a product of the time. Yeah. And it well, really and, and for and like direction from Prince, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. And, you know, I mean, it's a pleasant cover if you don't like try and figure out how she's that close to the back of the chair and also in front of the seat. Yeah. Or maybe the it's crown fine. is not part of the chair. The crown. I don't is think the crown's and... part of the chair. I think she's holding it, but yeah. it doesn't yeah. matter. It was a different era of album cover design right. for sure. Yes. So we were doing things at that time because we could, not because we should. <laughs> yes. It was album cover design in the mid nineties is like DNA splicing of today. We do it because, because we can, <laughs> not because we ought to. <laughs> Didn't we learn that in the mid '90s from Jurassic Park? That just because we can do it, we shouldn't do it. Jurassic Park was much of a lesson in anything, (laughs) (laughs) other than how to create a franchise of ridiculous movies. Yeah, but you know what it did do is I listened to a podcast about this just the other day that it caused a huge resurgence in an interest in paleontology, and Mm. that there are a lot of paleontologists in their mid thirties to mid forties now because they watched Jurassic They were inspired Park. watching yeah. that as a child. Yeah. That's cool. I'm yeah. just I'm half kidding. But <laughs> I'm not kidding about the new Jurassic Park movies. They are completely <laughs> stupid. It was worth the eighty one cents we paid to watch it. <laughs> I think of that as forty and a half cents of mine that was not worth it. <laughs> well you gave your forty cents to the kid who did like it enough. That's true. He could have afforded that on his own though. He didn't have my help. <laughs> Remember that next time they come out with a Jurassic Park movie because there's another one coming, I'm sure. I'm sure. There's always another one. Anyway. Yes. Enough about Jurassic Park. Back to Child of the Sun. (laughs) (laughs) The album produced four singles, which I did not recall happening. Can we mention those in order before we get into the songs? Yeah. Um, There was The Most Beautiful Boy in the World, which is Maite's version of The Most Beautiful Girl in the World. That was released more than a year before this album came out and at the time it wasn't even connected to an album Hmm. so i kind of see that as part of prince's vision of that song being sung by 
uh, different artists from all around the world, male, female, English-speaking, non-English-speaking, and Maite, of course, was part of that. So there was her version of that and a Spanish version of it on the B-side. Then in 1995, November 2nd, a couple weeks before the album came out, If I Love You Tonight was released and included some remixes, which again, I had not realized. The third single that was just a promo was House of Brick, Brick House, mm-hmm. and uh, it was released at some point in 1996. And uh, then The Rhythm of Your Heart wasn't released as a single until October of 2007. Yes. Which on Maite's website, which seems to be a result of the two of them meeting and speaking during his 3121 residency in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. not Los Angeles, her, I guess, convincing him to allow her to release that song and a remix of that song as well, which I also had not realized existed. Yes. So I learned a lot just looking up this album and the promos for the album. Yeah, my- it's my understanding that there were a bunch of single CDs pressed like in 1998 and yes, with, they didn't end up getting released until 2007. When right. You're right. Maite did that. And yep. yeah, that's very interesting. interesting. Yeah. Um, I also read that she, Maite preferred releasing however much you want as the last single and she got overridden and it was the rhythm of your heart instead. Okay. Children of the Sun. Yes, so the first thing off the bat is we get, I guess, what you could call the title track, even though it's not the same as the title of the album. We've got Child of the Sun, which Uh is Maite, I think, referring to herself. Right. And then Children of the Sun being track one. Yeah, she's being inclusive, bringing everybody in. She's got a bunch of brothers and sisters, and they are each and every one of us, (laughs) as long as we dance. Yes. So the title comes from a line in uh, the last album that we did podcast uh, studied in podcast, which was the Exodus or yes. Exodus. Sorry, yeah. Um, the line from the song was in the Exodus has begun when they say these are the days of the children of the sun. These are the days of the children of the sun. Yes, and here and, you go. Uh, my understanding was that this was either recorded or at least planned, right? When that album was recorded, Correct. so this was had was around. Yep. When I first, like I said, I had probably not listened to this album since 2000 or before, unless okay. it just came up in random shuffle. But I thought, oh, this is probably a good song to introduce the album to Christy because yeah. it's sort of a house electro kind of beat to it it's got a little bit of loose in it especially the remix of loose let me see that body get loose from crystal ball it's got some of that that. it's got a little bit of that um approach in it a very up-tempo track and i thought a great way to kick off the album cool was i right super fun yeah i liked it i thought it was fun all right yeah yeah it's pretty much a the time is now to party kind of song yeah it's fun it's like it's we're gonna dance. It's not there's not a lot of depth to this. No, and that's I don't not, think I don't think that was ever they weren't no. trying to do that. It was this no. kind of set the tone for the sound of the album, which like I said before, is close to the production sound of Emancipation, but still has a little bit of the MPG's Exodus in it as well, with you know, sound effects and things going on here and there that are you can tell Prince exploring new sounds and or at least a new bank of sound effects. Yeah, <laughs> bank of sound. <laughs> yes, it starts out with a real '90s club sound with yes. like the laser noises and stuff. Yep. That's true. It's fun. It is kind of laser taggy. 
Laser taggy. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can hear Prince, well, obviously throughout this album you can hear yes. him, but you can hear him in particular on this song, in the chorus of the song, when you when it gets to the part that where she sings, if your tears need company, this party ain't the one. Yeah. Jumping up and down, we are the children of the sun. background yeah kind of cool also whenever they say yahoo yahoo uh-huh yeah prince yeah. big time for sure yeah you can kind of hear kirk johnson had some thing yes. to do with this with the high pitch synthesizers yeah that and were even, his hallmark yes and the, that and the and the drum sound from mm-hmm. this era not so much from Exodus, but moving into this album and then especially in Emancipation um, was sort of his drum sound and style that was being fully explored yeah. during this time. There's some keyboard parts in this, like from 2 minutes and 15 seconds to 2 minutes and 20 seconds after the second chorus that leads into both Prince and Maite going, ah, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was kind of fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought it was fitting some of the lyrics, considering she's a choreographer. Yeah. If you want to party, let me show you what to do. Come on, everybody. Let's dance, dance, dance. Yep. Yep. And, you know, with the child of the sun being the name of the album and her singing about just like the moon disappearing with the morning dawn, although that's not always the case. Right, we call it happen. we call it a tricky moon yeah. in our, our house. house. It's a tricky moon, but you see the moon a lot during the day too. So, yeah, I kind of thought that. I'm like, well, she's talking about they're the children of the sun, and they're going to dance until the morning comes. Mm-hmm. We I think that just means they don't disappear during the day, like the moon sometimes does. But I was mm-hmm. like, well, mm-hmm. if you're the children of the sun, shouldn't you get up early and dance? That's but, true. Do you rise with the sun or you stop your activity when the sun appears? Maybe you're hiding from your parent <laughs> when the sun comes up. <laughs> I I just decided to kind of suspend my... Yeah. Questioning? My questioning about sure, all that. Sure, sure. Like you said, there isn't real deep meaning here to the song. It's just a matter of learning to love yourself and embrace today and making the most of it, I guess. Yeah, well, and it's just here. a happy place to forget your problems. And mm-hmm. if your tears need company, this party ain't the one. Yep. So This isn't a crying party. It's a fast, fun, dancey party. Right. So I'm not sure why there's a police siren at the two minute thirty three second mark. Aside from my yeah, uh, bank of sounds. Yes, we've got some sound effects to use, and we're gonna use them. But you know, there's nothing illegal going on here that would require the police to get involved. They're barking up the party. They're having too much fun. I guess they're too loud until. The moon disappears with the morning <laughs> dawn. So someone has called the cops on their coming out party. Yeah. In your gracious name. Track two. Track two. It was included on the limited release of the Rhythm of Your Heart single. Right. It's kind of an upbeat ballad. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. I'd written down that it's a little akin to Love Thy Will Be Done, oh, which okay. we covered as part of Originals. It's kind of a prayer in the style of a song. Yeah, it's just singing directly to God. Yes. Dear glory in your gracious name. Uh-huh. Love giving God a name that yes. is love. Yeah. That only love could ever show and love being capitalized. Yes. Like it's a name. Yes. Like he. Yeah. Yes. Or son. Yeah. S-O-N. Or she. True. You mentioned Kirk Johnson before. He gets a a specific production credit on this song, Mm -hmm. which I think you can hear very well uh, on first listen if you're familiar with his contributions to Prince albums. Right. Um, and he played a major role. Um, I think you can hear Prince on background vocals throughout this song too. Yes. Um, especially around the four minute and 30 second part in the refrain of the song where Prince sings in a super high falsetto ecstasy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah. very much, and he's very much like a lead singer at that point. Yes. There's a lot of uh, biblical reference oh, yes. here. We know a thousandfold the sins of casting stones. Mm-hmm. Mercy upon us that we might leave the stone alone. We know a thousandfold the sins of casting stones. Mercy upon us that we might leave the stone alone. I was like, that's as far as biblical reference goes, that one's very nice. Like, yeah. give us the strength to not be judgmental. Right. I agree. I thought it was really nicely written. It's a pretty song. Mm-hmm. I'm fully into it at this point. I'm enjoying the album a lot uh, by, by the time track two comes along. Um, so I'll jump from your pointing out a very well-written verse to me pointing out a misheard lyric by me. Okay. I could not hear it the right way. I had to look <laughs> it up. So I heard, let me feel the gush my lover feels when we're rocking lawn chairs. <laughs> <laughs> I so think I like that a little better. I knew that couldn't be right. Um, and I couldn't quite read it in the lyric book. So thankfully, there are very accurate lyrics online. So it's, let me feel the gush my lover feels when the rocket launches. <laughs> the first of yes. a couple mentions of the word gush on this album, which must be, have been a It's kind of like trend. the word moist. Yeah, it doesn't sit well with you. I don't um, really like it that much. It's a little buried anyway, so it's hard to make out. But it is a, you know, it's this marrying of religion and sex that yes. Prince did for his entire career. So some, it might be weird, but it's certainly not out of place on uh, an album that Prince certainly had a hand in. No, and I thought it sounded a little masculine that it was the gush would normally be something from a man to a woman. Yeah, yeah. So it was a little... Like backwards? Yeah, maybe a little out of place with a woman singing it, but it kind of escalated really quickly from 
dear glory in your gracious name, take over my subconscious to this dirty, let me feel the gush my lover feels when the rocket launches. When we're rocking lawn chairs. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yep. And then it kind of had some of the faded love from the symbol album to let me know the lives I've led before. Yes, like they, there are many reasons that Prince and Maite felt they belonged together with her father's name and mother's name. They kind of combined it into Nell's son, yeah. Nelly, and Prince's last name being Nelson. Yeah. There were a lot of things that were coincidental by some beliefs and by their belief, you know, a sign of the fact that they were meant to be together. Yeah. Which I always made me a little sad that they broke up because mm-hmm. they had this like. It meant something to them, whether or not it was coincidental or sure, sure meant I mean, to be. Meaning is all in the eye of the beholder, and they were the two beholding it. So if it was something to build a foundation on, then that's great. Yeah. yeah. If I Love You Tonight. Written by Paisley Park, although it was clearly written by Prince. Right. Prince is bringing out all the pseudonyms for himself throughout this. Written by Prince, written by The Symbol, written by Paisley Park. Yep. This was previously recorded. If you've been following Prince for the 15 years prior to this, then you'll have heard this before on Mika Paris's album in 1990. She was a London-based R&B singer. That was her second album titled Contribution. Right. It was a single from that album as well. Yeah, it was. So it was a song that did not go unheard. It was not a super deep cut. Right. And the song dates back even much further than that. It was... Recorded originally in 1979, part of the Rebels Project by Prince, which I think was kind of interesting that the song dates back that far and, you know, was 11 years old when it was released in 1990. And now here we are five years later and it gets another shot with Maite. Yeah. And her version turned up first in 1984 on 1-800-NEW-FUNK. Is that correct? Yes, you're right. You're right. Which is a collection of music we'll take a look at in an episode to come. Yes, the, I thought the sounds at the very beginning were very big-time 90s prints. Yes, it, yeah, like, for sure. It sounded like 90s prints. Yeah. You could play like the first five seconds of the song. I could tell you what decade it was from. <laughs> yes, it does. It is time-stamped for sure. <laughs> um, I thought the songwriting here is a little interesting where we get the first two full verses before we hear the chorus, which yeah. is a little unusual. And as I was listening to this closely, when verse two starts at about 35 seconds into the song, if you listen close to the guitar in the left channel, um, mm-hmm. obviously this is Prince playing. It's a really nice little part to kind of hear this muted kind of guitar part that happens there and then throughout the rest of the song. Cool. I also think it's interesting that this is the first song on the album that I don't think you can clearly pick out Prince as a vocalist, but you can hear him throughout the song on guitar and and bass, which is the basis of the song. Especially if you have heard Prince's version, which we'll look at in the future too. Mm -hmm. You could definitely hear this was, even though it was sung by Maite, it was commitment desiring Prince. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Yep. (laughs) I didn't think our first date should be in bed. Didn't think our first date should be in bed. Right. Yeah. 
Right. You ought to know I'm looking for a boy who want me for more than one night of fun. Yes. Yeah. He was necessarily opposed to the one night of fun on occasion, but he was always looking for she loves me for me, as he later wrote. Yep, you're right. I also heard, I couldn't help but hear part of Sheila E.'s bedtime story in this. And maybe it's just part of the chorus being, you know, talk to me, tell me a story. Just tell me you'll hold me tonight or you'll hold me tight brought back Sheila E's song to yeah. my head too. Um, so yeah, those are connected in a small way at least. Mm-hmm. But Kathleen Johnson. Oh yes. Uh, sang the background vocals uh-huh. very nicely. Yeah, she She's did. She's Kirk Johnson's older sister. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I she had no was, idea. Uh, Bradford, but she was married at that time. She's no okay. longer married. I did not know that. Yeah. Well, that's very cool. Yeah. Get a little pornographic at the end. It did with the heavy breathing and right there Uh kind of stuff. And that was. Just like that. Yeah. I'm I'm not too wild about that addition to it. That's not on Prince's version. It's not on the Mika Paris version. Right. It's particular to Maite's version. It might be a little over the top for me. Yeah. Rhythm of your heart. It was engineered by Chronic Freeze, who did didn't realize that. lots of stuff on mm-hmm. uh, Come, especially. Yep. And um, this had to be one of the last things that he worked on for Prince because this album? his, yeah, uh, well, or the song probably, mm-hmm. because his uh, time with Prince for the most part ended in like 1984. Okay. So, well, that supports the thought that most of this music was originally recorded mm-hmm. during that time in 94. Right. Yeah. It was the B-side, If I Love You Tonight, on some versions of right. the single. I couldn't figure out which versions, like if it was only the German version or only yeah, the UK these version. Are, or... They're out of print. Hopefully at some point uh, the estate will you know, at least get them on streaming services. I don't see why that wouldn't be done if, you know, no, if, there's, if there's not financial reasons make it difficult to print and make physical copies, then at least get these things on a streaming service somewhere. There's no reason for that not to happen. Right. Some of the lyrics from the song were borrowed from mm-hmm. an unreleased song called Rhythm Angel. Yes. Which may have been intended for Sheila E., which makes sense since yeah. she's a yes. drummer. A percussionist. Lots of, rhythm, lots of rhythm. Yeah, I think I read that. That's where the first part of the chorus and this song is derived from Rhythm Angel, where the chorus was shine like the sun, cry like the rain, feel like an angel, no, no pain. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, the songs are different. Yep. I thought that this song should be the first listed as a duet with Prince, like however much you want was listed because he may be more noticeable on vocals in this song than on any other. Yeah. This was also the first of two songs on this album that I thought had a lot in common with Sleep Around from Emancipation. In fact, I kind of found myself wanting to sing Do It Like She Likes So Your Baby Don't Want to Sleep Around. Yeah. Musically, I mean, the way that the lyrics are constructed and the drums, the keyboard parts, are they all seems like that's from the same family to me. They're very, very much related. I hadn't made that connection, but now that you say that, um, I can 
I can sing can them sing both it. in my head together. Yes. That would make a good mashup. I would. Ooh. Ooh. Are you listening, Mixcloud? <laughs> <laughs> Mash these up together. Some DJ. Come on, man. Yeah. I really thought on verse two. First of all, I think this song is also kind of a little creamish, like okay. in its kind of encouraging nature. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. It's very upbeat and encouraging. In verse two, when she sings evil thoughts, one run crazy when joy is not around. Prince echoes her and sings when joy is right around in the background, right around a minute. And it's a really cool little part in the song. And I thought that verse two was a direct reference or even justification for Prince's name change. We're still... In that era, too. You kind of uh, forget that. I mean, he like yeah, he's been, was like, he was doing this for a while, and we've yeah. been talking about it so much. You can't, most people don't have this much material come out in this short amount of time. Oh, yes. <laughs> that verse, too, you haven't listened to the song in a while, is evil thoughts run crazy when joy is not around. How can you be happy when you're feeling down? You got to find out who you are. You got to be able to say your own name with power and pride then you can win at any game. That's not talking about Prince changing his name into a symbol. It's got to be. I don't know what is. Uh-huh. It's got to be. I thought there was a part at the end, kind of, that they repeat party. Uh-huh. Party. And it yeah. reminded me of 1999. Oh, yeah. It was, I'd have the same notes. Yeah. With the chorus repeats and Prince doing his best 1999 impression. Yeah. What's unfortunate is that party chant makes more sense when it's preceded by Prince's rap because he kind of ends a rap part with the word party, and that whole rap was edited out of the album version. Yeah, it's um, in the extended version, and we're going to talk about that next time, right? Yes, and actually okay. the extended version being a, an official remix that was released with this song on Maite's website that Prince's rap is part of, although it has got remixed music too. There's okay. an original unreleased longer version of this track that's got that rap in it also. Okay. Um, and it leads into that party chant and makes a whole lot more sense. So I'd be curious to know why was that rap edited out? I don't know. I don't either. It was saved for the remix. I guess so. You know, 11 years later. I also thought Maite's Spanish part at the end is similar to what she shouts in, Span- in Spanish in Get Wild. Okay. I haven't gone back to compare exactly the translations to make sure that they're the same, but they are similar okay. in what she's saying. chorus just really being sung by Prince I think is a lot of fun and actually sounds a lot like 1990s early 1990s Prince there's a song on Graffiti Bridge called Elephants and Flowers the way he sings the chorus in this song reminds me a lot of that song Elephants and Flowers from Graffiti Bridge so if you're looking for man are there any other songs that sound like this there are and that is one you should check out cool yeah And it kind of ends with this kind of heartbeaty mm-hmm. sound. Yes. That goes right into Ain't No Place Like You. Yes. Yeah, they kind of they merge together on the album. They do. Yeah. And if 
Children of the Sun starts with what you would call this kind of keyboardy intro. Ain't No Place Like You, I think, perfects it. It has one of the coolest introductions of songs on this album. Yeah. I think he was really proud. Prince was really proud of his drum work on this track, and he should be because he credits it to the NPG drum corps, which had not wasn't like a term that he you know he he had referred to his horn section as the MPG hornheads, you know things like that. He had not done something with drums and called it the MPG drum corps, but I'm pretty sure that is all Prince mm-hmm. playing drums on this thing. I read somewhere that he reused those drums on Slave from yes. Emancipation. Yep. yep, I don't know which may have come first. The same drum track is used completely on Slave. That's on, uh, it opens disc three of Emancipation. Yeah. I thought this was new relationship territory. I told all my friends, don't be calling me. Uh Uh-huh. Told all my friends, don't be calling me. And I called my job and quit working overtime. I called my job and quit working overtime. Yeah, because, which is... (laughs) You're not, you're great, but you're not going to make me quit my job. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to I need stop. the benefit, so I'm going <laughs> to stop it in 40 hours. That's fine. Yes, it reminded me of my parents because when my parents met, uh-huh. my dad was working not only for the military, but for an armored car service right. nearly full time at both. Yes. And he all but quit his armored car job when he met my mother. Yep. <laughs> But I was like, oh, well, that makes sense to me. Because well, Maybe you know. we should play the song for them. <laughs> no. <laughs> they would not appreciate it. Uh, from the first six seconds of the song, I think this is a great example of how, obviously, it's Maite singing, but it's Prince on all instruments. And mm-hmm. um, like from the first six seconds, it just keeps building upon itself throughout the whole song to like the very end at whatever, four minutes and 45 seconds. And it's, it's just a crescendo. Yes. It just yes. keeps on building and building, get a, getting louder, getting better. Different drums are added. Different guitar parts are added. And I think it's uh, really cool. I love Love the uh, it's like at one minute and twenty nine seconds when Maite's done with the verse, she goes ooh, and then uh-huh. it goes either into the chorus or the next verse or a guitar part that's really cool. Um, I think it's really well done. Yeah, I like her whispered lyrics. Yes. That's kind of like a background. It just, it's really, it's sexy and it really conveys the almost obsessive new relationship feeling. Mm -hmm. Yes. Kind of stalkerish almost, but in not a, not a, not a totally creepy way, but yeah. She's obsessed. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. you know, kind of how like, I don't know if you ever did this, but you'd go like drive past somebody's house just, oh, just to see if, just because <laughs> like, <laughs> what am I married to? If you find my body, call police. Shut it. <laughs> 
I think, I mean, I keep saying it, but this is great print songwriting. Like you said, he's, the obsession with this other person where Maite re-records her answering machine machine message just so she can focus on having time to pick out what to wear. <laughs> I think yes. it's very cool. Well, uh, don't I love- want distractions, so I'm putting on my machine. Wrong number, simple and clean. Go to my closet, pull out the dress, the one that makes you want to lay your head up on my chest. And she does your little, what you're mentioning before, her whispering part over that. Okay, I must have misheard that lyric because it's <laughs> lay your head upon my chest. Uh-huh. And I was listening to it this morning and I'm like, that's so cool. Go to my closet and pull out that dress, the one that makes you want to make a letter for my chest. <laughs> like she's a superhero. Oh, or a like, scarlet letter. Now I've got to like look it up because I was no, just I'm listening pretty to it sure this the words are the one that makes you want to lay your head upon my chest. It'd be awesome if I could actually read the lyrics on this thing. <laughs> this is fun to watch. This is great <laughs> podcasting right here. Listening to one guy watching his wife try to read the lyrics <laughs> in silence on the other mic. While you're in there, could you see if it's rock, yeah. rocking lawn chairs? <laughs> you're right. It is lay your head upon <laughs> yeah. my chest. But yeah. I thought make a letter for my chest was pretty fun. Like, oh, like, I, like, like or M, a big M. Yeah, big M or big SM for... Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah. No rocket launch. Oh yeah. I, I I've accepted that, but I'm gonna sing it. Rock and launch airs. <laughs> uh, so some awesome guitar parts at the end of the song. A guitar yes. solo with. which I think is kind of missing from other parts of this album. If we had some more of that, I mean, this is the one song that just rocks out. Yeah. And I think could have worked on any Prince album that you could pick yep. in one form or fashion. So this was a nice gift, I think, that uh, Prince opened it up and let Maite do her thing. And I think yeah. her voice works really well on I this, too. It, it fits too. the album well. Everything works on this I saw lots of people complaining. Either they didn't like her voice or they're like, she never sings it loud. She's always lip syncing because she can't really sing. And I'm like, lots of people have made a career out of singing who've needed a little help in the studio. I don't care. No, that's not a concern of mine. I mean, we're listening to the studio version and it's, it's great. This is going back into rotation for me. Oh, good. Um, there's a number of songs on here, including, I should say the same about the rhythm of your heart. I had not heard it in a long time and revisiting it. Um, gave me a new appreciation for it. So I'm, I'm good. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. All right. Oh, one other thing. And that, that like from four minutes and 16 seconds, to four minutes and 24 seconds in the left channel, you can hear this mechanical wind sound. That's actually audible throughout a lot of the track, but it's real prominent there. And it's okay. very similar to this kind of electronic part from 2045 Radical Man, where Prince oh. says, Oh my God, it's the Green Mile. And you can hear this sound. It sounds sort of torturous or like an electrocution going on. Okay. And it's present in this song too. Also, 
also wanted to point out from three minutes and 58 seconds to four minutes and five seconds, it's got to be one of the most, one of the most, one of the least, one of the most least appreciated (laughs) Prince guitar solos on a studio album. It's lifted straight from his version, Prince's version of the song, uh-huh. but it's like seven seconds there of Prince Guitar God moment. Nice. You need to revisit. Now, House of Brick, Brick House, a cover of the 1977 Commodore's hit Brick House. Yes. Was a promo single only available in Germany. Right. I went back to listen to this version. I knew it was a cover. I can't say that I had listened to the Commodore's version in a very, very long time. Um, so it was performed by them in 1977. Yes. I did not know that it was sung by the drummer, Walter Clyde Orange, instead of Lionel Richie, because they all agreed that it needed a funkier kind of voice. And they all agreed Lionel wasn't the one. And the drummer um, ended up singing lead on the song. I also didn't know, this is a pretty popular song, right? Yeah. House of Brick. Brick House is sung like at weddings and yeah, all over I the mean, place. Like it's, I don't know, pieces of it are mixed into nearly every DJ mix of yeah. any song, especially yeah. in the 90s. So I went looking to see who else has covered this song. And everywhere I looked, this version by Maite and Prince is the first in chronological studio version. What? It's the first cover version done in the studio, according to like... Four or five different sites that I really so many other people have covered it, but pioneers. Well, I guess yes. I think the reason they picked it though was because of her name and the chorus of the song. Well, I read an interview, which I'm sure I'll post a link to. Okay, um, which actually you can find us on social media on Twitter at tmats. That stands for the Mountains and the Sea podcast. You can find us on Facebook, The Mountains and the Sea, a Prince podcast, or you can send me an email, tmatspodcast at gmail.com, where she said that they were playing the song just like jamming, I think, mm-hmm. and they realized, oh, mighty, mighty. Uh-huh. It's you. And that's why they went in and recorded the song. Very cool. Was because they realized, wait, that's your name. Yes. <laughs> like, it didn't occur to them until they were like... In the middle of singing yeah. it. Yeah. That's funny. I have no idea, other than the fact that, you know, this was an oldie then, it's an oldie now. Right. That what would cause them to include the Michael J. Fox sample at the very beginning, but it is instantly recognizable. Yes. If you have ever seen Back, Back to, the to the Future, Future. and yeah. Marty on stage at the very end singing at his mom's, was it prom? Yes. His mom mom's. and dad yeah. went to prom. Yeah. He's he about to his, sing Johnny he, Be Good. Yeah. He got his hand back. All right. All right, this is, uh, this is an oldie. Seen that movie once or twice. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. I, lo- I mean, who doesn't love Michael J. Fox? So I'm, I'm cool. I thought that was neat to that say, was oh, cool I too. forgot that Prince sampled Michael J. Fox. <laughs> and it gets credited on mm-hmm. the inside of the album. So it was yep. done properly. But yeah, immediately off the top, Prince is the one singing the chorus, which is just brank house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit of his voice from the Space Maxi single. Mm-hmm. Then in the background, after he says house, there's this singing, this voice that goes, ooh, ooh, and it's lifted straight from the non-album version of Come. Oh, hell yes. Really? That we covered 
on the episode after we covered come, however many episodes that was. Okay. But it is a little ooh, ooh, ooh lyric part that is completely identical. Huh, cool. I'd never noticed it before mm. until we started listening to this album. Yeah. Easy to see the pun here. Maybe it was not easy for them that, you know, she's, like you said, mighty, mighty, mm-hmm. letting it all hang out. Mm-hmm. They have a sample of Mavis Staples. Yeah. I need you to the, tell me. Yes. I did not care for the rap. Oh, you didn't care for it? No, the rap was, of course, the one addition they made to the song, with the exception of the horns, the horn yeah. parts that were added, like at the one minute and 36 second mark, that actually, the horns actually precede Maite's rap part, and Eric Leeds plays every horn part on the song, which I think is awesome. Yeah. Which, that's cool. I It sounded a little... Like Carmen Electra? Well, she and sounds it, like Carmen Electra. Her speaking voice and rapping style. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. And it wasn't crisp enough. Okay. If you can't be super crisp and super fast, then slow it down a little because yeah. I think crisp is more important than fast. That's what makes a lot of times for a lot of people a talented rapper is somebody who can speak crisply and quickly. And she was not so good at it here. Yeah, I agree. Um, the rap part was maybe a little unnecessary. Dates it a little bit too. Yeah. You know, it sounds very mid-90s. Which I, I'm fine with, but... Yeah, I mean, it's in the middle of a song that's a cover, so I'll give them credit to, for adding something to it that right. was original in addition to the horn part. And I also thought... You tell me as a woman, but I saw it as maybe a bit woke to take a cat call from the 90s and make it sung by a woman about herself. If you listen to the original version, mm-hmm. the cat calls are there all over the place. It starts with uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. all this you know, yeah. uh, stuff. But uh, here we have a woman proclaiming it as her own about her own body and mind, Yeah, which I thought was oh, it's fine. remarkable. It's fine. Cat calls were... It. As long as they're not like demeaning. I mean, I, some people will say it's demeaning no matter what, but I, I don't, cat calls never really bothered me that much when they're just like a, a sound or something like, Armless. hey, girl, you look nice. Yeah. You know, as long as it's not followed by proposition. Right, give me a piece of that. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. I'm fine with it. So, okay. yeah. I thought this was a fun cover in an album that is actually full of covers of one way or another. This one was, was fun. Yeah. Cool. All right. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Love's No Fun. Dad, I'm hungry. Hi, hungry. I'm Dad. The podcast where nerdy dads talk nerdy fads. We talk life, entertainment, and give advice to those who never asked for it. Like anytime I do anything, my brother calls me a thought. What do I do? Or best college degree for a supervillain. So go smash that like button. Find us wherever podcasts live. Uh, where's that, Jared? A magical place called the internet. Like Spider-Man and Elsa's shipping videos. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, I'm hungry. Wait! All right, we're back with Love's No Fun. Oh, I have to come back on this on such a sad note. <laughs> love is no fun. Not love is no fun. Love's no fun. Right. Right. <laughs> it previously appeared on Elisa Fiorillo's 1990 album, I Am. Yes, which had lots of Prince input. Um, yes. Is not available on streaming services, which is 
a shame. Mm-hmm. I've got a copy of it, though, so we'll talk about it in the next episode. Yeah. Um, about the origins of this song. This is the only song on the album without drums. No, okay. Don't know if you noticed that. No, I did not. Uh, um, we've got uh, lots of background vocals by the Steels. More of Eric Leeds on flute and saxophone. At the beginning, I thought this sounded a little like Count the Days from mm. Exodus. Maybe not quite as split between how pretty of a song it is and the kind of sad, <laughs> yeah. ugly things that are being sung about. But at least in all of its acousticness, it okay. reminded me of that okay. a little bit. Yeah, because this seemed like lyrically... Prime 90s high school sad girl. Yes. It's another Prince song that harkens back to high school. There are a ton of them. And at this point, he's a 38, 39-year-old man. This is his song, his lyrics. Yes. And just going back, it's, it's almost to the point where we need to move on. I think it's sweet enough. But I don't think the song fits Maite's vocal style and no, range very and well. No, some like weird vocal effects used in some places, mm. and uh... yeah, you know, it's just <laughs> I don't want to know if you want to say it's a little bit about jealousy. Watching, you know, you talk about obsession, you know, and watching someone walk past your own house—that's a little less creepy than going to someone else's house to watch them. Uh huh. But you know, she sees her best friend with. Her arm around Prince and is, you know, hurt by it. Then what she goes to the crummy best friend. You know, her best friend had to know she liked that boy. I would think girls talk, right? A lot. So she would probably know that. At I mean, least in the 90s, we did. She would probably know where Maite's house is, too, to maybe be a little more discreet walking by. Yeah, maybe. Maybe go a block over. Yeah. <laughs> Walk down the next street. Yeah. But we're best friends because I live next door. Oh, jeez. Yeah. You know, and she sings about going to bed early every night so I can dream of a place where oh he gosh, is hers. It's and it's, yes, very, very sugary, sappy. Real woe is me. Yes, which I think we've, we we've, don't we've, like woe is me, I think Prince. We've, we've discovered that any kind of, yeah, I'm I'll a, have a lot I'm of sympathy martyr. for you people. Yeah, we're not, we're, maybe we're not very sympathetic. <laughs> I think I'm very sympathetic. Well, not when it comes to songs like these. <laughs> neither no. of us are. Neither of us are. I'll walk outside and tell her. Hey. Yeah. What's up? Yeah. Care to explain yourself, <laughs> friend? <laughs> but yeah, there are parts of the song where I think the limits of what Maite could do then, maybe now, I'm not sure, as a vocalist are a little bit exposed by the sparseness of the song, too. That seems like there's an attempt to make it a little nothing compares to you like from the family album, or hey, let's see what happens if we strip the drums away and feature a vocalist. Well, that's fine, but like I said, you can expose some vocal vulnerabilities that way that mm-hmm. I think are made more transparent on this song. Sure. If I could say that in the most polite way possible. Sure. In this part, and I called it a sad beehive. They were trying to make the song go somewhere. Yeah. And they had this like kind of weird, like buzzy sound. It's it's Ross Geller (laughs) and his keyboard making an appearance. (laughs) In the middle of the song. I know the part you're talking about. Yes, I didn't like it. Um, I think it would have been better with the drum track left in. Um, mm-hmm. That'd be the first place I'd start to improve what's here. Not that right. uh, anyone is taking notes from us at this point, right. especially a quarter of a century later on. But, 
hey, somebody make that time machine and go back and fix the stuff. No, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, I think we're in agreement of that one, that it didn't hit the right note, so to speak. Fair. All right, then we have Baby Don't Care. Yes. Which was originally titled Holly Don't Care and recorded by Holly Robinson Pete, who's, I guess, like a talk show host. Right, or was. Primarily. Yeah. Even still, I think she's still on stuff. It was intended for Tevin Campbell's album, but it's unknown if he ever recorded vocals. Yes, I did read that too when I was looking this song up. This is, I mentioned there were a couple songs in this album that reminded me of like they were cousins or maybe siblings to Sleep Around. This is the second one. Okay. Uh, musically, maybe even more connected to Sleep Around. Okay. So go back and listen to Baby Don't Care and okay. Sleep Around and listen to the music. There's kind of this open hi-hat thing and kind of a more electronic kind of sound to them that connect them for me. And I also have it in my head that this is Maite complaining about her boyfriend's lack of appreciation for what she's doing for him and her girlfriend of course telling her she needs to put herself first while in sleep around prince sings about the same situation from a different perspective do it okay. like she likes so your baby don't want to sleep around okay so i have no nothing to back this up but the, the song sound alike to me and it sounds like she's singing to a boyfriend who doesn't appreciate her mm-hmm. prince's thing is then singing to him about, I'm going to take her from you because oh. you don't pay enough attention to her. Oh. So maybe there's a little bit of connection there. Sleep around, baby don't care, love triangle happening there. <gasps> yeah. Love triangles. It's like those Disney connected universes. Oh. Here we have one. Yeah. How, Very unsuitable uh... for Disney. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> if uh, Tarzan can be yeah. Elsa's brother. Right. Then- Sure. Oh, man. That's a deep cut into (laughs) Disney (laughs) mysteries. So, yeah, the song starts off. Look, Maite, I wonder if this is the best friend that was walking around with her boyfriend. This can't be be the same best friend. (laughs) Because she launches into Maite from the beginning. (laughs) Yeah. It's tough love. He ain't no forever fella. (laughs) Circle R. (laughs) Okay. So until I looked at the lyrics Mm -hmm. online and in the booklet. Okay. Because I looked at them online and I'm like, that is wrong. I have to look them up in the booklet. Okay. I thought it was bad dog will stray, but it's have dog will stray. Yes. And it's turned into have dog will stray. Mm-hmm. Like it's a two syllable, one syllable word. Yeah. That makes it tough to kind of make out. Right. And it's printed backwards in the lyric booklet too, around the name of the song. Yeah. Have dog will stray. I know you said you had thoughts on this. Well, I just like, it doesn't like make any sense. Like ba- a bad dog, they'll stray. Have dog? I don't. I don't. I don't get what I think. It's a label she's putting on her boyfriend. Have dog will stray. That like she's gonna stray because he's a dog. No, he has another woman, or she. He's got a bitch on the side and won't be faithful to her. Have dog will stray. Mm. That's what I heard. Okay, it's her commenting on his behavior because there's okay. someone else there, then he will stray from her. I like bad dog will stray. <laughs> That's fine. Um. <laughs> okay. I'm not arguing for either. <laughs> 
So yeah, much. It's a very upbeat song. You've got Maite singing and her girlfriend giving her advice on how she needs to put herself first. And then we get into a very fun instrumental part at the end. I think this is the. Unfortunately, sure. it's when when the lyrics stop <laughs> where the fun starts. So there's this little instrumental part, and you can hear Prince singing Maite's in the house, mm-hmm. and a little guitar part that kind of sounds like um, some of the car- guitars used in the maxi single for The Most Beautiful Girl in the World, Okay, kind of a muted electric guitar. And he shouts out Gloria Estevan. In okay. the middle of that also? Did yes. you hear that? Yes. Oh, yeah. He was when saying this heard... is a Miami sound. Yes. He's exactly. like, just in case you missed it. Yes, it's very In case you couldn't listen to this and mm-hmm. hear that it's a Miami sound, yeah. I'm going to tell you my taste in the house, and I'm going to say Gloria Estefan's name to manifest her yep. right here in the middle of it. Oh, yeah. In case you hadn't made the connection yet. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You took all my notes. Yeah. <laughs> except for except for the part where I when I first listened to this after twenty something years, what I heard was Glorious the Bomb. <laughs> and I thought he was describing my tale, which is oh, like well, this that's sweet like, little thing. And I I'm maybe like, like oh, that no. better. Glorious the bomb. Yeah. Mate's in the house. <laughs> but that's I not like right. I like that better. Well, then, you feel free to sing it that I way. I think I will from now on. While we're rocking lawn chairs, glorious the bomb. Excellent. Perfect. Mm-hmm. I thought the rap was a little more successful in this one. It was shorter, so it was tighter, yeah, more crisp, more clear. Yeah. I thought it was better. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the I don't want to lose you because of something I heard part? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so help me understand this set of lyrics. So I don't know what I did to make me chase you like I do. Whatever it is, you better keep doing it or I'll catch up with you. Whatever it is, you better keep doing it or I'll catch up with you. For all you know, I just might have a couple yeah. of secrets, ooh. Yeah. Maybe just one or two. For all you know, I just might have a couple of secrets, ooh. Maybe just one or two. So, if she wasn't chasing him, uh-huh. then she might catch him? What? Well, so the whole thing is about her boyfriend not reciprocating her love and attention, right? So, uh, she's saying, I don't know what it is about you that makes me obsess over you this way, but... You better keep doing it, like keep doing what you're doing, because I'm going to keep obsessing over you. And if you stop, then I'm going to see the truth, and I'm going to catch up with you, pass you by. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm going to leave you behind. Yes. Okay. Yes. You know, yep. or I'll be on to you, and I'll be able yeah. to see through it. Like, or she'd have more time if she wasn't obsessing over him. She'd have other lovers. <laughs> maybe so. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, maybe okay. just one or two. Okay. <laughs> and then there's I, maybe a little bit of shade at the end. New power generation, where are they now? Yeah, that's what the lyrics in the everywhere say. I don't quite know what that means. I don't know either. It kind of sounds like shade to me. Like, but where are they now? I'm like way more famous. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know that that was the intention, but 
can see how it could be read that way. What I heard before I read it was new power generation. We want things now. I thought oh. that that was like, you know, we want the respect we deserve. And because that's what she's singing about throughout this song. But yeah, then I scratched that quickly out of my notes when I went back and looked at the actual lyrics. Where are they now? I don't, hmm. I don't know. You got me. Someone explain it to me. Oh, they're I've at the club beating up a DJ. <laughs> Child of the sun. Okay. Beating up the DJ. <laughs> All right. However much you want, duet with the love symbol. Right. Yeah. Right there in the title of the song. This is believed to be Maite's first recording with Prince somewhere around December of 1991. Right. And was considered for inclusion on the love symbol album. Yes. And you can tell it was recorded during that time period because I think this has got to be the third or fourth podcast that I point out that there is a little scratch and moan in the song throughout that is was first heard on a recording anyway from the Cream maxi single in 1991, which was done following Diamonds and Pearls leading up to the Love Symbol album. So it was recorded around the same time that this song was. Yep. When I had read that, it also struck me that this song could have even been on the maxi single for Cream because it too is very creamish and also very sevenish. The little the little sitar part mm-hmm. is identical up to a point from the song Seven. It yeah. is the same, and then like, it cuts off a little earlier. It's yeah, like, it's doo-doo-doo, sampled. Doo-doo-doo, yeah. And it doesn't yeah. do the whole thing. Right. I don't know that it's sampled or replayed, just played a little differently, but this definitely has kind of the same drum beat and tambourine kind of thing mm-hmm. and sitar from Seven, and I never really made the connection up until re-listening to the song that how close they, closely related they, they are or seem to be. Yeah. So there's this reversed spoken intro by Prince and Mighty at the beginning that on the original recording actually wasn't even there. Then it was later there and not reversed. I didn't know if you had a chance to look no. up what they're saying. Oh, I did. Yeah. I No, I didn't look up what they're saying. I reversed it and okay. wrote it down. All right. Maite, darling, I'm digging your set. But um, I think we need to leave something for the babies of the new power generation. What do you think? Where are they now? That's a little joke oh. in reference to the previous song. I'm like, they didn't say where. <laughs> yes, you're right. And then Mighty says, cool, what do you want to do? However much you want, the name of the song. Right. Hook it up then, boy. And then she, she giggles. giggles. Yeah. Mighty, darling, I'm digging your set, but um, I think we need to leave something for the babies huh. of the new power generation. What do you think? Cool, what do you want to do? Huh. However much you want. Hook it up then, boy. <laughs> You know what? I like the backwards messages when they're sort of hidden. This one just seemed like we're going to do this because we can, too. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's a backwards message. There's nothing very secret about it. Right. And I guess in the mid-90s, it would have been harder, especially on a CD, to be able to listen to this backwards. Yes, you would have had had to have some pretty high-end stuff yeah and now it's like i have oh. free software that i can use Very to listen easy. to it backwards yes, i will break through the mystery here <laughs> yeah so verse one on this one i really do like how the song is written where it's a question posed by maite and prince answering all the questions with different versions of the name of the song yes which i thought was very clever how how much can you get if you just put your mind to it very creamish again Mm -hmm. and the answer is however much you want how much can you get if you just put your mind to it 
How much can you gain if you don't struggle to get through it? And the answer is however much you need. How much can you gain if you don't struggle to get through it? How strong is your faith if you don't take time to renew it? However much you care. How strong is your faith if you don't take time to renew it? How much you care? Listen now, make haste. This is the time you got to do it. However much you dare. Listen now, make haste. This is the time you got to do it. How much you dare? I thought that was very. At the very most, it's unique songwriting. Yeah. So I thought I thought that was really cool. That was a really nice way to say you'll get how much you work for, but you also kind of have to trust that mm-hmm. you'll get what you're supposed to have. Yes, it's like almost a little bit of faith and hard work are both required. Right. Is what I think is which is the message I can get behind. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Before verse two, I think at a minute and thirty four seconds, you can hear Prince. The music kind of stops, and you can hear him in a falsetto voice say, "Hear me." And kind of a weird intonation that I think is very, very cool. And he does the same thing again, where he answers questions posed, which are different, but the answers are still the same. However much you want, however much you need, however much you care, however much you dare. So mm-hmm. there's this want, need, care, dare thing that repeats on those first two verses that I yeah. think is pretty neat. I liked it. I liked come dive into this waterfall of forgiveness and desire, mm-hmm. however much you dare. Come dive into this waterfall of forgiveness and desire. They love the idea that, you know, forgiveness is something you have to accept. Yes. And go after both mm-hmm. from others and from ourselves. You have yes. to like give yourself forgiveness and accept it from yourself. Mm-hmm. And you have to accept the forgiveness that others extend to you. Which yes. I thought was good. Yeah. I overall, I think there's a lot to like about it's this song. It's risk. And he's saying, take risk, it. Risk reward, yeah. right? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, just another little fun Prince moment where you can hear him is at um, like three minutes and eight seconds right before the refer- refrain of the song where he's... Mm-hmm. In a higher voice than I can get, goes ooh, ooh. Yeah. And it kind of takes off again. It's very cool. How much can you I think the, the way this song ends is one of my favorite on the album, too. Some of these songs end in weird ways or have weird, oh, we'll add some record popping sounds to the end of this song. Or, uh-huh. you know, we'll do some cymbals or a little organ at the end. Or, you know, that's almost too much tinkering. Which sounds weird coming from me who complains about songs fading out. Uh, But (laughs) some of them just end in weird ways that I don't think work great. But at the very end where they're singing, love is there, however much you want. Mm -hmm. want. (laughs) I think it's great. Yeah. Agreed. I will say on the version that was intended for or considered for the Love Symbol album, it's a little even more upbeat. Oh, okay. Um, and a little faster. And listening to this one, I think I've listened to the release version on this album less than I've listened to the unreleased version. And this one seems like it's just a tad slow to me. Like oh. it needs to be faster. And maybe that's just an effect of having listened to the other version too many times. Right. But you'll see what I mean when we 
get into episode two. When we talk about that next episode? Yep. Okay, cool. All right, then we have Mo Better. We do. Written by Prince Andrew Hopkins and E.M. Hunter, which are names I had not heard Mm -hmm. going into this album at this time. Three dudes. Three men writing this song. It uh, shows. Probably the most sexual song on the album, but... Um, you know, an odd mix of young love and maturity, but it's like you said, it sounds like a man wrote it for a woman to sing. Uh huh. And it suffers for it to yeah, me. It's another ballad. <laughs> if I were able to make you wait a while. If I were able, I'd make you wait a while. Then she goes on to talk about how she like puts his hand under her shirt. So I'm choosing to go with the idea that it's that she doesn't want to stop him and not that she can't stop him. Right. She's from, giving in to her own desire. It's not that right. he's doing something to her that she doesn't She wishes want. he'd slow down, but yeah. she has yeah. trouble requiring herself to do so. Yeah, she's okay going for the drive. She's just uncomfortable with the speed at which the yeah. car is being driven. Yes. And three dudes... She wants me so bad yeah. that she can't slow me down, yes. even though she'd like to. Right. Yeah. Uh, I thought also this is, and I mean, at this point, I think Maite, of course, had a hand making her own album, had a hand in making her own album. But this sounds like she was given direction on what to do to me. Uh, yeah. Like maybe she was given direction and maybe being a young person at that time, having Prince tell her. It's so hot. You should totally yeah. do this. It's going to be great. Just record it. And yeah. Like, yeah. Trust yourself. Relax. Let me turn the lights down and uh-huh. do it this way. Yeah. Because she does not come across to me as someone at this point that would be sexually experienced enough to say these words, sing, sing this song. It's just a fit that doesn't seem natural to me. Right. And here we have also the word gush again. Uh-huh. What's the rush for the gush? Yeah. What's the rush for the gush? Yeah, I mean, even just the song itself is a little sing-songy to me. It's like it has yeah. four notes throughout the whole thing that yeah, keeps it's a little repeated. It's a little boring. It, do, it doesn't go anywhere very it's quickly. Gross. But I mean, of course, it <laughs> is a song about taking your time. So if it went places, that would maybe be counterintuitive. But just because something takes a while doesn't mean it can't go places. It should go places. I mean, how many print songs are 10 minutes long? Very true. That, you know, he took his time, but they went places. Yeah. The only line that I was like, why are a bunch of dudes writing this? Mm -hmm. If real love could be like this baby, I'd give it to you day and night. So he doesn't compare to her dreams. Oh boy. I think you're thinking deeper and more critically than the songwriters themselves (laughs) went back to, you know, do a little fact checking on their own writing. Like, is this plausible? Yeah. But I see, I, don't know. I, I see what you're saying. Anyway, it's. Ugh. Yeah, I wasn't. This is definitely one that I'll skip and did skip. <laughs> yeah. In, in, re, in revisiting the song. And yeah, it's just an odd combination of things between like, how genuine is this? It doesn't come across as authentic to me and that's the part that bothers me more than the song being a little sing-songy or other technical things it just like i'm not buying it yeah that's that's fine because that's why 
you know, we have it on CD and not cassette. That's right. You don't have to like fast forward and hope you don't miss the beginning of the next song. That's right. Oh, rewind a little bit more. Oh, too far. Mm-hmm. Yep. So then moving on. Yes. Please. Um, we've got a couple songs more on the album. The first is If I Love You Tonight, Spanish version. Uh-huh. Which it uses the exact same music as the English version. Exact just... same music and I think the same background vocals. Because yeah, the back- it does because they're in English. Yes, they're in English. And it made me, that's the only point I wanted to make about this was, was it a choice to let the English background singers remain as they were to make it understandable by people who speak both languages or was it... You know, was it maybe a little bit of laziness or a budget issue to bring in background singers who could sing this in Spanish? I mean, they could have multiple multiple vocal tracks of Maite singing her own background vocals in Spanish, Agreed. but didn't do that. Yeah. I don't know. For, I don't know. For it those came across reasons, lazy to me. I but would, I would say a little lazy and maybe a little karaoke-ish because it's, you're singing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what... That is the definition of karaoke, right? Is you're singing over an existing music track. Now, maybe there is the thinking, I'm thinking about her upbringing and her family, and maybe it was important to her for there to be a Spanish language version of this, and it might be in a, have been a regional thing for where the single might have been released. Right. It might have been good to have a Spanish language version of it. So all of that makes sense to me, but from a listener far away and far removed from the time period and um, uh, you know when this thing was recorded it does come off to me as I'm not quite sure why outside of those reasons there's not it certainly is not for me yeah no no and I do I do wish they would have re-recorded the background single or the background singers in Spanish or used yeah. asked Maite to sing them in Spanish and yes, back herself she up. Easily could have done. When I first started listening to it and I'd heard it before, but it was all coming back to me, I thought, oh, maybe later on some of the background vocals are in Spanish and then sometimes they might be in English, which would have been that, that would have been cool too. Right. Um, that would have made more sense to me, but it just, they just didn't record it. It was just like, here, go record yes, a Spanish yes. language. Version you're watching of this. right now. What is this Korean soap opera thing <laughs> that you're watching on Netflix that is overdubbed in English? Yeah. My first, first love. Yes. So it's, it's very sweet. And it, but the overdubbing is really good. Well, may, it must be better watching it than it is listening to <laughs> it. You, because when I listen to it, uh-huh. I can, it's almost like listening to an old, you know, Kung yeah. Fu movie yeah. that has, you know, the lips keep moving, but the voices <laughs> stop talking. <laughs> so I don't know. I hear a little bit of that in the song, but again, <laughs> the fact that it's here and her background, um, you know, visiting her family in Puerto Rico while she was growing up and being a Spanish, Spanish speaker. Um, I'm sure there was an important reason for it to be there. I don't, I, I hope also so. don't understand why it is placed as the second to last song. It seems like this ought to be like a bonus after the album is over kind of song, mm-hmm. um, but Fair. it's not. 
Yeah. And then we have the most beautiful boy in the world, a yep. regendered version of the most beautiful girl in the world. Yes, this was the first single technically from the album released on July 22nd, 1994, but that was a year and three months before the album came out. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't associated with an album at that time, and there was no mention of Child of the Sun on the single, which was backed with a Spanish version of this song as well, which is the only place that you can find it so it's interesting like why not throw the spanish version of this song on the album too if we're ending it with these right spanish extras i'm not sure why that's that wasn't done i think it was certainly clear that this song was part of prince's big plans for the song where he wanted it sung and recorded by different artists and different genders all over the world it makes sense to start with his love interest at the time makes a lot of sense and like almost as a proof of concept that yes this can work with another person singing it but hmm, if but you, can it well <laughs> i think that prince is a t- this is a tough task in her defense it's a giantly popular song it has been played to death yeah and then even looking back if you cover it chronologically and listen to it all then you know prince's versions he stretched the song all over the place with right. different versions and the maxi single had what five or six different incarnations of the song. So it's almost like we've seen probably not even all most of what Prince felt like the song could do. So hearing it sung again by somebody else is going to probably disappoint. I'm trying to think of who could sing it and not seemingly fall short of what we've already heard. Well, and I'm not, I don't even mean that really. I don't even mean oh, that she didn't do a good enough job. You mean, does that, it work son, son I, I from think, a girl to a boy? Okay. For example, could you be the most beautiful boy in the world? It's plain to see yep. you're the reason that God made a girl. I heard this. I heard it coming. It's plain to see. Because yes. in the most beautiful yes. girl in the world, it could be talking about any number of her features and there are things that are incarnate to her mm-hmm. that are valuable and important. Yeah, and, and the video for that song on the rare occasion of Prince video succeeded in delivering that, that message in a way that wasn't cheesy. Yes, and here... Could you be the reason that God made a girl? Yeah. God only made girls to appreciate this beautiful boy. Right. Or like and I'm more like of a literal translation. Over it. 14 like, seconds in and I'm like. <laughs> done. Or it's almost like the creation story is kind of what this is hinged upon. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It could have, should have had the gender change there too. You're the reason yeah. that God if yeah if yeah. You, if a boy didn't fit there make yeah. it a guy yeah. you know choose yeah. another word let's yeah. it sounded a little lazy to me again yeah yeah i understand and and it's the exact same music track so again again i go back to this is two songs in a row that we close this album out with basically a karaoke performance yeah and it's super breathy in the chorus. Yeah. And I think it's supposed to sound sexy and it just it didn't work for me. Yeah. Could you be the most beautiful boy in the I agree. I, this is a no uh, for me. I don't I definitely has no place being the last song yeah. on the album. Mix it in somewhere in the middle and do something else at the end. But yeah, and it, this could also be partially attributed to the fact that we listened to 
the most beautiful girl in the world and all its incarnations not long ago. And it was easy to, I mean, it is played in our house. So being, it's not being, played in our house very much anymore because yeah, we've heard enough. Yeah. We're on a, a most beautiful, whatever sabbatical for a while, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Now we've come to the time in our podcast where we make some selections. My dumb rules. True. <laughs> we choose three things. We choose a time capsule, something that exemplifies the time at which the music was recorded or when it was released. That choice is up to the host making the selection. We choose a C, the thing that we like the least. Not that it's bad. It could be bad, but right. it's not necessarily bad. Mm-hmm. It's just the thing that we didn't like the most. And the mountain, the thing that we liked the best. So All right. we will start rules. with a go time first. capsule and I go first. I chose House of Brick. Okay. Because it was very popular to sample the song yeah. around this time. It was a hearkening back, you know, everything comes back into fashion. Yes. 20 years later, yeah, it was about is ish. Yeah. 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 70s were kind of influenced the 90s some. Mm-hmm. So Brick House sounds like the mid 90s to me because I didn't listen to it when I was a kid. My parents didn't listen to funky stuff like that. No, they no. did not. Do not. <laughs> will not. Yeah. What's your time capsule? Yours is good because it, it was the, you know, a cover song. It starts with, you know, a Michael J. Fox sample saying, this is an oldie. Yep. My time capsule, I'm forcing myself to go with the most beautiful boy in the world because oh. it was like the cornerstone hit for Prince during this era. Um, even though it's a little karaoke to me, not because Maite doesn't sing it well so much, but because the music is unchanged. We're hearing another voice on top of Prince's hit. and It's basically one word change. Yeah. Yeah. And then boy re- instead and then of girl. Re- resung. Yeah. Despite the things I don't like about it, I still think time capsule, that's the only thing that sure. I think the average person besides your time capsule could uh, hear from this era and go, oh, that must have been from, I don't know, the uh-huh. 90s when right. Prince recorded that song. So that's my time capsule. Okay. The C. The C. The, the well, the, the bottom dweller? It, well, well, sort yeah, of. For me. Sort of, yes. Ugh. What's the rush for the gush? Mo better. There's no rush for me. Back to this one. Yep. I didn't, didn't like it. No, I'm not surprised at all. To be honest, I had three listed here, <laughs> um, but but one of them is not a song. So uh, I've got to pick a song for the C, so mine is also oh, a little better. okay. Um, if there's a song that... I, I do plan to revisit this album. There are parts of it that I think are great oh, yeah. and I enjoy a lot, but there are parts that I probably will not include. Yes. This will <laughs> That's be, fair. This will be not in the playlist. Right. Um, however, I've got to mention the other C that I was considering, but I didn't think it really fit into your rules. But the fact that this is a 12-song album, five of these 12 songs are rehashes or remakes of previously released material, like including If I Love You Tonight, right? House of Brick, Love's No Fun, If I Love You Tonight, Spanish. So it's a rehash that we hear twice. Right. And The Most Beautiful Boy in the World. So it really leaves seven songs that are really like the heart of this album that aren't, you know, kind of cherry-picked from other places. Right. And unfortunately, one of those sevens is the C that we just mentioned. So that, I don't know, it seemed like 
this could have been, you know, you read about other songs that were in, in circulation or mentioned that were considered for this album and then the longer versions of songs that were cut down to fit on this album and you wonder why not get rid of some of these, you Where know, is Latino Barbie doll? Yes, these things could have, could have all fit. And then to think, wow, in 1998, we could have got another album from Maite that was promoted as including things from this album. Where So you know there was enough material to do one Really, original, like, solid album. Yeah, yeah it yeah. was all there, um, but didn't come together for whatever reason that is. So yeah, anyway, that frustrated me a little bit to think that almost half of this album is, you know, cover songs, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, and then The Mountain, the thing that we liked the best. Yeah. It was... Of the original songs, uh-huh. it was kind of hard to choose because there were there were several that I really enjoyed. I really yeah. liked Rhythm of Your Heart. Mm-hmm. I really liked Ain't No Place Like You. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of saving that one, though, because I have a feeling I'm going to like the Prince version a little better. Oh, okay. So I chose However Much You Want. All right. Yeah. There, and you haven't heard the other version, I don't think. I think you gave it to me already, so I... Yeah, I, I mean, but coming coming into this album review, you had not heard it a, right. much at all no. in the past, so no. you didn't have that version to compare it to. No. Yeah, I like it too. I think it's a uniquely written song. Yeah. The singing is great. Uh, the music is great. Yeah, and it really is, is like a duet with Prince. There's uh-huh. a lot to love. It's, yes. you know... It like puts aside. And and it puts aside a lot of the, uh, a little bit anyway, of the religious stuff and sexual stuff, name change stuff, slave stuff. Yeah, and it's just this nice. Yeah, like work hard and you'll song. get what mm-hmm. you want. Otherwise, you'll just get what you need. It's kind of what is <laughs> that song? You don't always get what you want, but sometimes you get what you need. It's oh, it was on Glee like all the time. I don't know. Uh, anyway. Can't help you, so uh, you'll just have to cut that out. Can't always get what you want. Oh, yeah. The Eagles? I don't know. I don't remember either. Anyway, okay. So what's your mountain? Um, my mountain actually is Ain't No Place Like You. Um, okay. I, I love However Much You Want. Uh-huh. I think that's great. Um, for me, it was just, this is the one song in this album where everything came together. Prince is a musician both on drums and guitar and Maite's vocals worked really great on this. And she added something to it that wasn't part of Prince's version. You mentioned the kind of whispering thing, which could Uh have come off a little weird like it does in if I love you tonight at the end, Right, the spoken parts can kind of rub you the wrong way, I guess Uh, that doesn't happen here. Right. Um, So I just think that the the song rocks. It combines everything that Maite does well with everything Prince does well. And Cool. Uh, when I read that she wanted this to be a single, I couldn't agree more. I think it would have been a great one. I think it could have been a great Prince single, too. Yeah. Excellent. Yep. Excellent. All right. So we've come to the end of Child of the Sun. But as you mentioned, there are singles. There are a couple of videos. Yes. There's, there are remixes. Yeah. There are uh, uh, unreleased versions. versions. Unreleased yep. versions with Prince on vocals. You know, I feel like we keep lying to our listeners. I think at the end of... <laughs> <laughs> Two episodes ago, we said, we'll review Child of the Sun and maybe throw in an extra song. And uh-huh. <laughs> uh, we're letting you down. There's there's maybe a full should, other episode. Maybe we should stop making promises at the end. Uh, you mean me? I'll, <laughs> I'll quit doing that. <laughs> Well, I can tell you for certain what we're doing next episode. And okay. it is a part two of Child of the Sun. Well, we'll look at videos, remixes, uh, alternate 
versions and unreleased tracks as well. Awesome. But beyond that, I can't say. (laughs) We're not going to list them specifically because we don't (laughs) want to promise something that we're not going to deliver. I think we're we're over delivering. Deliver what we say. It's just a little bit more. It's like we're. It's like if Santa offered you a candy cane and you took it from him and he dumped a bag of candy canes on your head. (laughs) You know, it's not bad, but it's not really what you you signed up for. He says, would you like a candy cane? And you're expecting that little, you know, three inch tall version. And he hands you like a three foot tall version. Like a cane made of candy. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, here, it's a candy cane, but you can use it as a real cane. Right. Walk with it, eat it, whatever you like. All right. So thanks so much for listening. We know you have a choice that you make a choice to listen to us. We don't just come on the radio and we super duper appreciate it. If you like us, please tell a friend. You know, you've got some Prince loving friend out there. You know, you have friends who hasn't heard of us yet. And I know that you like being the one who's heard the little tidbits on this show that you can then tell them. And they're like, wow, you're a genius. But share us with them anyway, (laughs) because... You know, Josh Josh is the prince genius in this house Mm. on this podcast. Thanks so much. And we'll see you again in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening. Forge audio. Dream it. Build it. Share it.